You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. Hey guys, it's Bill Dawes. Welcome to the After Laugh. This episode, I have Jay Davis uh, on. And Jay Davis, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for years and years. Even before I did comedy, I went into Dublin's in 2003. My first live comedy show. And on this show, I saw Alonzo Bowden, Gary Goldman, Dan Cook, Bobby Lee, Ralphie May, Sebastian Maniscalco on one show. That's my first show. Those guys, all of those guys are considered some of the best comics of their generation, maybe ever. And uh, that was my first exposure. So it blew my mind. I don't know how Jay did it. I still don't know how he did it. I was able to galvanize these people and make this club. It it was a legendary uh, bar show that uh, went to 2005. Um, which is about when I started comedy. Uh, Jay also brought his friend, a guy I never heard of, didn't know, named Mars Callahan. So I originally just want to hear Jay's story, how he got started. I know he had humble beginnings in Orlando, Florida. He showed up in L.A. with 200 bucks on a bus, I think. And he told me the first few years he just ate it in and out because he could feed himself for $3 a day, and that's all he would eat. And he was able to create a career for himself and create a community and world. So I was really intrigued by that. But this Mars guy comes in, and the stories he tells, it kind of blows me away. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Bye-bye. Quick P.S. Uh, this interview gets cut out. The audio goes out kind of around the 50-minute mark or something. I asked you a question. He gives me a great answer, and you will never hear it because it literally goes out right when he's answering the question. So there's a little cut towards the end, but this is a great, great interview Mars Callahan is amazing and Jay is great. So I hope you enjoy it. Bye. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. After laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey, it's Bill Dawes. Uh, welcome to the after laugh. That's the title. I don't know if you guys knew that it was the title of the podcast, but I always kind of say, it's a little bit of a pun, like Welcome to the Afterlife, which is a very famous song by somebody. By That's Bill Cosby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have a, a very special, we have the very always busy uh, Jay Davis here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Bill a, Dawes. a comic, uh, producer. What would you say your title is, Jay, as just like a human being around trying to meet ladies? What would you say? Well, I mean, uh, failure? I don't know. <laughs> no, don't You're not a failure. You uh, said trying to meet ladies, so I said failure. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, definitely know that's not true. He's the stripper. I'm the try-too-hard guy. And he's, we all, he's the stripper whisperer. I'm, I'm the try-too-hard whis- guy, hilarious. and then when I get there, I'm really, really nice. It's weird. It's like uh, I think I turn women off from being too nice. Yeah, and then we so have— that, um, doesn't, that doesn't work. And then we have uh, Mars Callahan, and this Correct. is the first time I'm meeting you, Mars. Yes. Um— so I don't know a lot. You know, this is kind of we have like a, a joint thing going on. Um, I'll start a little bit with Jay. So Jay, I've known you for. Whew, I knew you before you knew me because when I was still in graduate school for acting, I would come to L.A. to feel out the waters, and I would go to the Dublin show. That was fun. Which was um, good show. Do you remember that, Mars? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did the so Dublin's for people who don't know? I'm assuming these people you know, they might not have heard of it. It is, I consider, the most legendary bar show ever. I, I could not believe the amount of talent that went through 
to get those people booked on a bar show, how did that come about? How did you how did you start Dublin's and how did that all happen? <laughs> well, basically, you know, I was 30 years old when I started Dublin's, and and <clears throat> you know, I'd done comedy when I was 19. I did the comedy store open mic. And uh, I thought, really, I thought, well, I did three minutes, so that three minutes done. I can never do that again. <laughs> when you're not, when I was 19, I thought you're just supposed to change it every time. Yeah. You do it once, it's over. And yeah. really, that that would be smart today if I thought like that. And just <laughs> yeah. if we could just do it, shoot it, and never do it again. You know, that's what Dane does. But yeah, a lot of people. You know, it's always good to be working on new material. But then I didn't do comedy again until I was 25. And then uh, what that, were you doing in that well. interim for 1925? Were you just like were you partying and working at the nightclubs and managing bands? Boulevard. I was managing bands back then and yeah. uh, oh, booking bands. bands. I used to book bands. I, I dude, I booked everything from bands to strippers at one time. And I, how do you book town. strippers? Well, I just was promoting all these nightclubs back in the day. Even like I was just a, I was started as a bartender at the Roxbury nightclub which was like the legendary. studio legendary studio fit i i opened the club as a bar back and you know a lug and ice and glasses around and you know stock in the bars and i was only 19 i got the job wasn't even old enough to be in the club and they they hired me so you moved uh, to la when you're 19 from no i moved when i was 18 but i got that job like a year after i a was year here where'd you move from South Florida. South I grew up Florida. in Delray Beach, yeah. Okay. And so I got that job, and then I was bartending by the time I was 20. I wasn't even old enough. To, they would just, like, get busy and teach me. Yeah. So I'm bartending underage, and, the, you know, there was some... Uh, so like some New York guy named Johnny Long hired me. He's like hey. Johnny Long. That's yeah. Great. He's like, hey. <laughs> you know, I go. I don't think this kid's old enough. But the owner really liked me. He's like, I don't care. I like the kid. Hire him. Put yeah. him to work. And so I was bartending. And didn't you manage Keanu Reeves' band for a while? Yeah, that kind of happened. Yeah, that was a natural thing that happened. Too. Yeah. What so, happened was I, I'm working at this bar, and then I start becoming friends. This is, this is the rock Roxbury was yeah. like back then. Like that's like like me and him were talking once. He's like, "Where's a good." Where's a good place to go? When, I don't know a good place to go. And I go, go out to a club anymore. I go, yeah, it's called 1995. Yeah, exactly. That was the last time it was fun to go to a club because there was no phones and no one, not everybody had cameras. So celebrities were out partying and with their side bitches and nobody could catch them. <laughs> yeah. Like picking up new side oh, bitches. So you Nobody's that, recording you them or asking for pictures. It was, it was a full celeb fest. Doing stuff. It was like. Wow. And, and the, there they was had no, a rat, no, no one was ratting anybody out. No, there. it was, was there paparazzi around the club still. There, yeah, there, but there, they were outside. There was, but they were outside. So if you were doing talcum powder off the fucking toilet seat, no one gave so a shit. So it was I, a I different didn't get time. To LA in, in the nineties was was uh, was there like cocaine, just open cocaine, like on the tables. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jay's saying no. Well, no, I mean yes. cocaine. Yes. Yeah, then, but but mid nineties, the ecstasy, which is now called Molly. Yeah, but in our day and age, it was called ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All the kids take the Molly now, but you know. They yeah. were doing the ecstasy pills. <laughs> uh, they were doing. I don't know uh, the difference between Coke. MDMA, Molly, and ecstasy. It's all. Yeah, I think me. it's all pretty much going to kill you. I got so <laughs> I got sober right before ecstasy came out. So I'm so old that that's my era. I, I, I didn't even fucking get a chance to take ecstasy. You're lucky. So a lot of people in LA are. are so that when you say you're sober, are you part of the program? No. No, you just. One cold turkey on your own. Very intelligent own. is what he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, smart. I decided yeah. not to try to kill myself with or both hands. Or go to prison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how how did that come about? What what made you go? I gotta become sober. Was there a moment where you woke up in the LA Zoo with the giraffe? Like this has gone too far. I got no. Stop. I didn't have that moment. I had a moment where 
the doctor came into my hospital oh. room and said, you have a ganglioneroma, and I suggest you get your affairs in order because I'm giving you two weeks to live. Holy shit. And so I pretty much decided not to put any toxins in my body and give myself any fighting chance I possibly could have to try to stay alive. And at least the last time I checked, I am still alive. Yeah, you look very much alive. You don't yeah. look unhealthy at all. I know you're like, I'm so old, but I couldn't guess how old you are. <laughs> you know, you could be anything. Yeah. Um, by the way, this was kind of a pop-up podcast today. You know, like I was yeah. working at the office next door, and then Mars just happened to be in town. He's one of my best friends. How long? So tell me about how you guys met. How that come well, about? Well, what we should do is tell the audience, like, who Mars Callahan is. Yeah, let's, you you yeah, don't yeah, even really so know. Jay, like, cause it's Mars is, uh, is an Jay, incredible uh, writer, director, executive producer, actor, um, uh, he does it all and in fact uh, he made his first movie when I think 28 years old yep. uh, a great movie and, and it's a legendary sports movie uh, Pool House Junkies right? Pool Hall Junkies Pool, Pool Hall Junkies, Pool Hall junkies yeah. with Christopher Walken Pool House Chaz. is where like the <laughs> cabana boy lives <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah there's a porn called the there's a porn that's, that's <laughs> the gay Pool porn I did in 91 yeah 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 but, so Pool uh, Hall Junkies of course yeah. Pool very Hall Junkies film. yeah Christopher Walken Chas Palminteri it was Rod Steiger's last film before he passed away so oh, wow. I got to direct him you know and what year was that uh, 2003 the movie came out okay yeah. got yeah. nominated for best sports film at the 2003 ESPYs and we just got voted one of the top 25 independent films in the history of cinema are you serious yeah. that's huge yeah so it's it's been uh, it's been like a cult kind of hit all you, these years yeah. right yeah, when was absolutely. the moment where, because when it came out of the box office, how did it do? I think we made like a million dollars in the box office, uh -huh. and I think we made like $70 million on DVD or something like that. Do you that. remember the moment where it happened, where all of a sudden it, it kind of caught some sort of fire uh, as a DVD, or you know what I mean? Because sometimes a lot of these films that don't do well at the box office, don't get a lot of attention, yeah. well, they we get only this came extra out, life. We only came out in like 100 theaters, so it wasn't like it was like a huge release. It was yeah. a small art house release. Um, I was fighting for my life with cancer at the time so I wasn't even able to okay, promote so I, had to, I had to cancel my my night my booking for David Letterman and for uh, oh, tonight, wow. tonight show and everybody. I, I couldn't go on, on any of the talk shows I was sitting there with, with chemo going through my veins trying to not die from this massive horrible okay. tumor okay so let's back up a little bit because Jay no offense this is obviously I mean as much as I love Dublin's we got to get to this story this is fascinating so no no that's you Jay's Jay's oh, Jay what Jay did at Dublin's is infinitely harder <laughs> than what I did to uh to beat the guy with the hood and the sickle but I don't know you made a legendary film while beating cancer that's yeah. pretty impressive so when did the uh just let's back up a little bit how did you find out that you had it what process in the in your career did this happen and how did that line up in terms of making that movie? So what was interesting was Jay used to book Dave Chappelle at at Dublin's mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm segue. I'm just trying to throw it, <laughs> trying to throw this back to you. Um, right. Everybody was like anybody who was anybody. Jay was you know, the thing that's interesting about Jay, and I'll get to that answer in just one second. But what's interesting about Jay is that he is the guy behind so many successful comedians success in this business right yeah. he's the guy who championed them mm -hmm. got them stage time but not only that was their friend believed in them backed yeah. them supported them you know talked to other people about them i can't tell you how many times jay has taken me aside and say you gotta take a look at this new up-and-coming comic you gotta put him in one of your movies because he's telling you he's gonna be big and he's right like 90% of the time. So yeah. I, I never listen to him. Are there any people they introduced you to that you did end up putting in your movies? And that you, know, you know what? I don't generally, I haven't uh, utilized any of the people that he's tried to send me because 
I just for some reason or another I already had the movie cast where yeah, I was or, or they weren't like necessarily right for the part. But what's interesting is um uh he introduced me to Dane when he, Dane was just doing you know Dublin's and uh and then at a certain point in time I had a movie that I was going to put and I said hey you know what now I have a picture that Dane can be in yeah. and then Dane was too big for me at the time so oh, that's funny. so he didn't have, he, he wasn't able to do the picture. What was the film? It was a movie called What Love Is. What Love Is, okay. Cuba Gooding Jr., Anne Hayes, Gina Gershon, yeah, yeah. Sean Astin, Matthew Lillard. Well, you got your share of names in that. Yeah, film, it was sure. a good, it was a cute movie. It was really cool. I, you know, we we uh, I wanted to get Dane in there, but or maybe he wasn't too big for me. But that's a bad thing to say. But he was he was very busy with a very yeah, successful course. career and didn't have a lot of time at the time. So every you know we the the good news is we get busy in our careers, but 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 the most important thing is that. Is that, like, when I say Jay, like Jay, creating Dublin's, coming from Florida, into a new city. First of all, people don't understand how hard that is to come yeah. from your hometown mm -hmm. to come into a new town, and to with the stick and the handkerchief and the overalls and the dream, <laughs> you know, yeah, and and to actually make something out of nothing when yeah. nothing else was there, just an empty space, and to make it, what he's done, just to every what he continues to do, but like. You know, what he did in that space was to make something out of nothing and to make it the hottest ticket in town. For the sure. hottest girls in the place were there. The Absolutely. hottest comedians, the movie stars, celebrities, everything. Packed the place and tried to get a seat. And uh, and he was always so... And the thing about Jay that's most amazing is that he's the nicest person you ever meet in your life. And he's always, like, in your corner, always supportive, always cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad I brought you to this podcast. Yeah, this is, this is, this is great. <laughs> so now we got to go back. This now Jay seems more interesting. I got to go, go back to Jay now. So let, 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 let's finish up because I wanted to talk about how, how Dublin's got started. So you were a bartender in your 20s. You took time off from comedy, and then somehow you ended up starting Dublin's, and that started your career as a com comic and producer in L.A. Yeah, basically, you know, long story short is, uh, you know, I'd been in the bar industry for so long, and, like, I, I quit drinking, too, back then, because, you know, I would see how drunk and coked up people would get, and, uh, yeah, I'd have to serve these people, and it, it kind of grossed me out. Sure. You'd see these people's faces and go, I never want to look like that douchebag, you know what yeah. I mean? And then, so when I was 22 years old, I quit. Any kind of drinking, or I quit all drinking, and I didn't touch a drink or any kind of drugs at all. No weed, nothing, uh, until I started comedy, and then I had a <laughs> corona, and then I felt older and more mature, and you know I could still get in trouble if I drank too much, but I could have one or two beers. Yeah, so I, I, like I was never like a binge drinker, sure, you've a real alcoholic, you know, yeah, except for, sure. for the, the fact that I drove you home. Two nights ago. Yeah. Except for that night. Well, no. It's okay to get drunk. You did. Well, I don't drink and drive at all. Like, if I have two no, drinks, I'm, I'm not, I don't drive, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. with Uber or a friend like Mars and I stuff to give me a ride home. But I had like two drinks that night. But this one bottle service waitress, like, they must tell, like, my buddy who had bottle service, they, they, the, the waitress goes, I'll pour it for you. What are you having? And she puts half the bottle of vodka in one glass <laughs> because I think they try to, like, empty oh, it out yeah, quickly sure. so the they buy another bottle. bottle. Yeah, At first I was like, I think this girl really likes me. Look at how stiff she's making my drink. She's trying to, like, get me drunk. Yeah. And I realized, no, she's trying to get more money out of the guy, and um, that yeah. that was kind of lame. So that I could not drive you weren't paying for the bottle. Yeah, I didn't pay for shit. Oh, well, there you go. But, so that was good. But, um, yeah, so then basically I I was managing a bar, and then I'm around this bar people all the time, and came out here to do acting and, you know, got more into the promotion and, 
and party side of things, which is great. I, I mean, I love, That's I'm a, a people person. It, yeah. So I met all these great celebrities and people, I became friends with a lot of people. And then, um, who was your first comic friend that you kind of, I met a met actually was the, the first comedian I met. I was bartending at a place called the Opium Den at one time, which yeah. was Brent Boldhouse's club where the house band used to be like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jesus. Tool and, um, Ozo Motley would play there on how Wednesday great nights. Great was L.A. back then. It was the best. It was, it's it, you can't compare it to how it used to be when when people actually had to pay attention to other people. And instead of girls like and or guys' faces and phones, you're looking at people's faces and eyes, and you're smiling and you're getting to know people for real. And there's no computer where you can go home and and research and 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 stalk women online or stalk yeah. dudes online or whatever you're into stalking. Uh, you didn't. You just had to meet people. More people went out. It was more fun. Yeah, it was actually, like, you actually. You really would talk to people. And yeah. use your personality. Yeah, yeah I know that bugs you, Jay, because I see when when we're hanging out and there's someone texting, like, oh, look at that. They're crossing the street. People like, on, on the, the crosswalk, walking two miles an hour, just texting. Away. I got a guy the other day. He was in the crosswalk texting. So I, my friend Crash was in the car. I go, put your seatbelt on, dude. Watch this. <laughs> and I, and he's not looking. He's in the middle of the road texting, and I just went like 40 miles an hour and threw my parking brake on and went. <laughs> <laughs> the guy flipped out. His phone went flying in the oh, air. And then I rolled my window down. I'm sorry, man. I didn't see you. I was texting. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, funny. bro. Have you said that on stage? That's pretty funny. No, but it's a true story. That's great. It is. I should I say that. that on stage. But that yeah. really happened. So it's like, come on, man. If you're walking, put your phone in your pocket. You're gonna, you can, it's, just, it's just terrible. Sometimes yeah. I catch myself with my phone out when I'm walking. Not cool. Yeah. You look like a... It's just dumb. Everybody's got their head down. Yeah, you know what, I, you know what I like to do? I like to just slap people's phones out of their hands. No, oh, you that. don't. They go Mars. down on the floor. Well, Mars is like eight foot one. I know you're, so you're an enormous man, so I'd see how that giant effective. this guy. I like to I, I like to actually I like to pull people's pants up and slap the phones out of their hands. <laughs> I'm like, pull your pants up, and people just shit their pants. You're like, oh my god, you know, I'm like, you know. <laughs> so walk up behind some kid, pull your pants up. Yeah, pull them up. That was great. And, but yeah, basically, so Ahmed, 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 uh, because I was dating this uh, girl at the time who knew Ahmed, and Ahmed was hanging out with Vince Vaughn still, like yeah. back then. And so he was running a, a little show prior to Dublin's, and it's the first like comedian booker comic that I had met. And he had said, oh, you should come down, you know, do my show anytime. And I just was too scared to ever do it. And then yeah. I used to see the open mic line here at the Laugh Factory. Of course, and I thought, on Tuesdays, well, yeah. You know, this owner should just book me knowing that if even if I suck, I'm going to pack his club. But he didn't know me well enough to do that. Because this I'm like, you had I'm, a huge you Yeah, had a huge I, I knew I had friends. a follow. Yeah. I could pack a club. I knew that. But I, I didn't want to stand in that line all day. Of course. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just start my own room and then uh, book my own comics. But I don't know any comics, but that Ahmed Ahmed guy does. So, yeah. it, you know. And I had this epiphany one day when I was working at the Whiskey Bar at the Sunset Marquee for Randy Gerber. Um, I was sitting there on a Sunday night and I was kind of down on myself and I'm like, I don't want to be in the bar business anymore. This is the best bar gig ever. I just catered to rock stars and models and it was fun. But like, where am I going from here? Unless I want to buy my own bar, which I don't want to do. I came out here to be an entertainer. Who am I entertaining? No one. And uh, I'm like, man, I just had this epiphany that I should start my own show. Kind of like Field of Dreams. You know, yeah. if you build it, they will come. And I had that epiphany. It was almost like God threw a lightning bolt down into my soul Can and you just say talked to me. one more time? Epiphany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so then I, I, I got up right after I had that epiphany within 20 seconds. Epiphany, epiphany, epiphany. A meta med turns the corner. I hadn't seen him in a year. And he was the only comedian guy that I knew. Yeah. He turns a corner with Vince Vaughn right there. And, and you know, I, you'd think I'd be more excited to see Vince Vaughn, but I got more excited to see him at a med because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just had this 
Epiphany. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I go, dude, we got to start a show. Da, da, da. And that's kind of how Dublin's uh, came so about. So you and Med started together. We started it together. We went and that. found Dublin's, and then we tore booth eight out in the corner, and we put uh -huh. some plywood in and some track lighting. Oh, so you actually created put, yeah, the we put the we, we created the, the whole thing. You yeah. built the space. I we moved the that. stage three times. It was in three different places. Yeah. But by the fourth week, we got it in the corner. and uh, Yeah. It has something to do with the Muslim religion, Northwest, it faced Northwest, because Ahmed was so excited. He's Look, Egyptian. It, it faces Northwest. This is yeah. perfect, bro. Yeah. It turned out to be correct, though. I and guess he was, was right. right. Yeah. It worked. It was right. And then uh, him and I used to pray before every show. Too. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and I'm not even Muslim. I'm, I'm Christian. He's Muslim. And we'd hold hands and, and say a prayer to God. He'd, wow. he'd say Allah. I'd say in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, it worked. So, so the first, so, so the, maybe God touched the so show. So the first show, were you able to pack it out on the first night? Oh yeah, we had celebrity. You know, Luke Wilson was dating um, uh, Vince Vaughn. No, yeah, no, <laughs> not not Vince Vaughn, but um, golly, Drew Barrymore. Yes, Drew Barrymore. Did I get it right? Yeah, you got oh, wow. it. Thank you. Good, Good job. Deal. Thank you. I don't. I'm getting old That's and senile. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So he brought her there. The very first show. A lot of people, because I knew a lot of those people from working for Randy Gerber. So all these celebrities kind of became buddies of mine and. They would come out and support me, and, and so that that really excited comedians when they found out there was hot chicks and celebrities there. Yeah, who wouldn't want to do that room? Of course, you know? of course. And did you and get like publicity for that right away? Or just no, it just was all word of mouth back then. Yeah, there was no computers, well, well, nothing. I had to call people, couldn't even text people to invite them. I literally called people all day, yeah. cold calling. No, but you know, particularly in the '90s or particularly the early '90s in LA, like places like the Room or Three of Clubs, like there was no sign. There was no like the cool yeah. thing was you had to be in the know. In the know. To know yeah. where the spot was yeah and so there was no place that we hung out that like ever had a sign so you had to just know about it. and that was the that was why it was so popular because you it, word of mouth had to spread for anybody to actually be able to get in you had to like know something yeah that's yeah. part of the trick in la you're right it's got to be you got to know people in the city and, and you know I'd, I'd been here since i was 18 running around the streets of sunset boulevard looking for ridland and uh <laughs> that's what kept me focused and um, that's kind of like getting to know everybody in the city. Like, so people knew me. I was n very well known around town because I was I was in the know of where to go on what night. You know, there could be a hot spot back in the '90s, and and uh, if you went on the wrong night, it's transvestite night. You know what I mean? <laughs> the same venue. Yeah. So like like tourists would come here, they'd end up with trannies, and yeah. we'd go when it was all the playmates. <laughs> yeah. You know. And and so. it was pre-internet, so you knew this. Because you were in the know, but other people couldn't find it out. So you were yeah, we were in the know, and then you know we, I didn't start. We didn't start Dublin's till 1999. 99, yeah. 1999, yeah. and into 2000 is when it really started cooking. Yeah, and I think I think because that's when Dane Cook was there. So yeah, I cooking. think I went because a friend of mine was a fan of Dane Cook, and and I never really watched comedy shows because when I was growing up, my my you know I always thought comedy was like uh, I thought comedy was uh oh hey Jack come on in guys uh Jack and Sam are here come on in. Um, Have a seat. It's nice and warm no? over here. It's got these yeah. heaters. Yes. Come on in, Sam. The Sam Emerson. Sam, Sam's here. She works in the booking office so, at the Laugh Factory. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that was one of my first. I think it was one my first exposure to a live comedy show as an adult because. Oh my God. What a, what a what a great what, that's your cherry du and that's so amazing. the first night I, I I go to and I think I'd seen something with my parents and sure but it was like the cat you skills. Know, it was maybe like eighties nineties where it was a type of comic was like they're the guy with the blazer and the jeans or they're the guy with the leather jacket and the sunglasses like that was it like in the eighties like I was a kid those are the only types of comics that existed there weren't like dudes 
there weren't just guys and uh. people. It was they had like to have some sort of character. So uh, when I went to Dublin's, the first time I went, we hadn't met. It was Dane Cook, it was Alonzo Bowden, it was Bobby Lee, Ahmed Ahmed, you and Gary Goldman. Wow, what a show! It was like it, some of the best comics mm-hmm. to this lineup. day, yeah, ever. Bobby Lee's still one of show. my favorites. He is amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's so funny. We put I him in a him. movie once. Oh, you did? That's yeah. right. He he produced uh, the movie with uh, Jamie Kennedy, right? Uh, kicking it old school. Oh wait, yeah, you he did kicking it old he school. He produced well, it. Well, my my partner and I had a we would take turns taking pictures. So John Hermanson actually produced it. Okay. But John and I were partners at the time, so I was making a movie called What Love Is at the time, and he was making. Uh, kicking an old school. Two very different films. Two very, very different films. I was yeah. touring with Jamie Kennedy during that movie. Ah. Yeah. So I was friends yeah. with Casper, the, the break Yeah, the breakdancer. Yeah, yeah, so Casper is in a movie I made called Revenge of the Zeros. Uh, and Jamie Kennedy's in that movie too. Has a little oh, cameo wow. in it too. Yeah. And when was that? Oof. 2007, maybe? Yeah. So uh, so back to your relationship. So Jay's doing Dublin's, and you guys had met before this or after this? We would see each other at Roxbury. He was the, he, he acts like he was just a barback, but he wasn't. He became he left being the barback very quickly, and he became like the main bartender in the VIP room upstairs, and he would like blow fire out of his fucking mouth. What? Oh uh, yeah, you like were crazy. a fire way fire before breathing. cocktail and all that oh, shit. Oh, like he the was, Tom Cruise shit. Mm, you would yeah. like do that? He, he was. He would stand on the top of the bar. Jay, and I was like awesome. a comedian behind the bar. Like I would Gyrate take his the. Hips and I would take yeah. the the soda on the soda gun <laughs> and spray. It would be like eight deep at the bar. Yeah. Hot chicks and <laughs> celebrities. And I I just sprayed them down if I needed to get a chick to the bar. Spray myself down, <laughs> and it was a wild man show. Like people would come to see the entertainment behind the bar. I would just if if. A good friend of mine comes. I would stand on the bar and, and hey, watch out, let him in. And I'd take a big chunk of napkins, and just throw them at the air like confetti. Yeah, and we'd fly. I mean, these, these were big parties back in the day. We were yeah, fire, we were rocking fireballs out of his mouth. Yeah, one fifty one with a fucking. I'd have girls with no underwear lighter. dancing on the bar all night. Yeah. That would help bring more people to buy drinks. Yeah. It was oh like a little God. bit of a con game. That. I'd yeah. if someone's back was at the bar, I learned to always push them. Like, excuse me, excuse me. Even if there was like space in the other place to bring the girls in, I would always move the douchebag that had. Is back at the bar because I got to sell drinks here, bro. Yeah. If you're back to the bar, you're done buying the drink. Keep on moving, and I'd pull girls in over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when you pull the girls in, the guys with money would come in, and they'd be like, "You want to buy the girls a drink?" He's like, "How can you say no?" Yeah, I would get girls free <laughs> drinks, and I'd put the money in the register. I I outranked everybody at that bar. Yeah, I'm sure you he did. was a monster. And Bobby and Johnny Long, they loved me. Brad, they all guys, loved him because I brought in so much money, cash yeah. money. So I used to know. I knew Jay back then. Uh, because of he was, you know, he was a bartender and then he, you know, put on shows. The yeah, I, I, the, the shows that that really interests me because I remember the movie Cocktail, classic movie. Sure. Did you do the shit with the juggling and the flipping the bottles and all that a stuff? A little bit, but not that much because I was more of a speed bartender. We didn't have time that. to do all that he shit. He did a lot of speed while he was bartending. <laughs> you know, but like, like, like you have to be fast. So, of course. Like, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would have like four bottles in two hands and be pouring like Jesus. long and iced teas. I could, you know, I'd have all four bottles and pour a drink so fast. You've never yeah, seen yeah. a guy. And it would still taste great. Yeah. And, and it was make, less filling. Yeah, less filling. <laughs> I had an epiphany about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I on the other hand met a girl named Tiffany, uh-huh. and that's how I met. No, I'm just. <laughs> so I met. I met. I met. Yeah. No. Okay, and so you guys became friends. You haven't worked together on a film yet, though. You um, haven't. Have you worked together? We on have anything? worked together on a couple projects, um, um, but not on camera together yet. Not yet. So. Not yet. 
Not Soon. in front of the lens. Not yet. But so we have worked on some stuff recently. We were yeah. shooting some stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's have, cool. We have some ideas where maybe... But people don't realize... Jay's an extraordinarily talented actor. Oh, I know that. I've said that to Jay. Jay, I've said that to you several times. Every time I see you work, I'm like, wow, you're a really good actor, Jay. Yeah. Thank you. And then Jay's always like, yeah, I know. I've, di- <laughs> I've directed Christopher Walken. I've directed Rod Steiger, John Goodman, Cuba Gooding Jr., all these Academy Award winning actors. But I'm holding out for Jay Davis. I, I, that's my. That's Whoa, my. Oh, that's a pretty good. No wonder you brought him along on this podcast. I know. Jay. I, I, that's I right. can't wait to work with Jay Davis. That's my <laughs> bucket list. I'm going to win an Academy Award one day. It'll be Best Supporting Actor, but I will win that award. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I will one day. Yeah. Well, you got to put him in that. You got to write that role for him. Because I don't think I'm a leading man, but I could do supporting actor. But have you ever heard him sing rock, rock and roll? <laughs> wait, Jay, you're a singer too? No, oh, I, unbelievable. I, I, I actually so good. I. Uh, I don't yeah. know about that. Wait, if you can sing, Jay, you gotta bust out something right now. No, no, I'm not a singer. I just happened to do a karaoke night when He's I was modest. having a hard time, and uh, um, Kevin Connolly and and those uh-huh. guys hired me for the Gold Bar when I was for about what eight months, I six seven months. So I was you're running, running the karaoke, karaoke show? Yeah, and then I just started really singing because why not? Yeah, I'm doing the karaoke, and then and I was like, did, some that. of them sounded pretty good. Yeah, and then I just put a band together for my birthday. Yeah, and it went exceptionally well. So wait, you were the front man for the band? Yes, he was the lead singer of a band. Yeah, and it really went better than well, you want to ask him what expected. the name of the band was. Well, yeah, of course, what was the name of the band? Well, we called the band Full Retard. <laughs> full, because we went full retard. Yeah, not half not retard. To, like you know, you're not supposed to go full retard, but but that band we went full retard. Yeah, you went full sure. retard. Yeah, and that obvious. comes from Tropic Thunder, the movie. Of course, Tropic Thunder. Um, so how long was Full Retard together? Uh, we did one show. They're actually having a reunion. <laughs> we are trying soon. to have a reunion. <laughs> but these are like real rock stars. No, They're you don't understand. Band, the, like, the lead guitarist the, is literally the greatest guitarist alive today on planet Earth. He really is. Who He's, is it? I'm not His name is actually. Dave Pino. He's He is one of the most brilliant guitar players you've ever seen. In the world. Like, yeah. he made me look cool what bands does he tour with well right now he's uh he's andrew wk's lead guitarist and he's freaking amazing he's unbelievable he used to be power man 5000's uh lead guitarist and then the drummer original guitarist monster like animal from the which is rob zombie's brother was 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 the was the singer of uh power man 5000 yeah and then um yeah the drummer is just like animal behind you know you might have met him ali uh, my, is he the guy who looks like Vince Neil? No, he's a black guy with big. He's got a big afro. That, looks that's like, like like buckwheat on steroids. Yeah, <laughs> he's buff and he's uh got tattoos and he's like a punk rock. He's like rap, unbelievable. Like, though. but he like flips ridiculous. sticks and like he he jumps around and it, you've never seen a guy play drums like that. Like it was perfect for full retard. When I when I tell you when, <laughs> when I t- when I tell you the lead guitarist and the drummer are are world class musicians. World yeah. class. Yes. Well, well, Ali actually played. You know, he he was on the. Um, he, he toured with Tech Nine. Um, he did. Jeez, uh, I can't remember this other guy's name. What's the guy with one eye's name? With a little bit of one rapper. Eye? Oh 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 oh. Uh, friggin' yeah. from Atlanta, right? Anyway, he did his album. He oh, toured with Sublime bugging. when their drummer wasn't able to. Fetty like, Wap. Nah, maybe it's a different guy. I got the wrong name. Fetty Wap. I'll think of it. I forgot right. the guy's name. Right. Whatever. But, um, yeah, he's an amazing drummer, and we had fun. We did the Peppermint Lounge. We headlined the Peppermint Lounge. We sold it out, and um, it was it was epic. So, wait, I'm, why was it only one show? Because it was just my uh, b- b- my birthday show. You we, always we, want to leave them wanting more. Wanting more. Yeah. You know, I got, everybody knows how to get on a stage. Not everybody knows when to get off the stage. Uh, tell me about it. But we put that band together. The, the booker of that <laughs> place <laughs> called me, like, two days later. When can we have you guys back? Yeah. I couldn't believe they and really loved it. You were like... You couldn't no, you, get it back. No, they rocked it. It was, it was we did like. Did you record it? No, yeah. some of it. 
And then I got Slash really drunk. called me the next day. I got really drunk on stage. Soup. He's like, because <laughs> we did just a- throw this together like in a night, and I've been doing this my whole life, and I can't even. We did a bit where we, yeah. we ran around with a bottle of Jack Daniels and I was pouring it down everybody's throat and then it was like a, a communion at the stage. People would stand in line and then from the stage I'd pour it down their gullet and they would do sh- <laughs> I was just pouring shots People during a song. While you were singing. People were getting Well, naked. I wasn't singing at that time. Crazy. See, I can't, I'm not a good, I, I got lucky with the way I sang, but like I had some really good singers popping in on different songs too. Well, so it made the band much better. And it was obviously cover songs. So like yeah. I had another, for, yeah, we did like ACDC, we did Rage Against the what Machine. What was your song that you felt like, this is my jam? Alice in Chains. We did, uh, we did uh, Jet. Uh-huh. We did, um, we even did, um, Dude, we, did Johnny Cash. we did Johnny Cash by the Jay We did Johnny Cash. We did Raging's Machine went really well. Yeah, we did. Was that Raging's your song? Machine. Like, do you have a? Everyone I don't know. We just song. we just did it. Um, I, I mean, Jet's probably the best song for me. I did. Are you going to be my girl? Yeah, that went really Classic. well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Ace, you killed that. We killed the 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 Alice in Chains went exceptionally well. It was fun. I'm like your flavor flave on this, yeah, on this podcast one. right yeah. now. I love it. Um, like John wow, Jay, these are these are like all these hidden talents I didn't even know about. Singing has always really impressed me. So, uh, so while Jay's killing it in Dublin's, let's let's do this segue <laughs> yeah. back to Mars. Yeah, back Come to on. Mars. Come on, why why are you so? Why do you not want to talk about yourself, Mars? Because uh. you have like real serious shit, and you have a really uh, big life. So I want to hear about like. So you made this film, which is a classic film, mm. Pull Hall Junkies. I'm an asshole. I said Pull House, but it's okay. I meant Pull Hall Junkies. It's okay. Uh, and uh, you were diagnosed with cancer before while you were making. How did that? How did that? occur so i collapsed one and like in the last couple of days of shooting spent a night in the hospital so you, you were directing the, the film too yeah you wrote directed and you were acting it as well correct triple threat yeah. got it and uh and so i, I collapsed like a couple of days before we finished shooting the, the 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 doctor said you need to something's seriously wrong with you you need to not you know go back to directing this movie this could kill you and i said yeah, yeah, of course, no problem. Yeah, because uh, if I release you, you have to promise me you're going to go straight to the hotel and sleep. You can't like, and I go, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And they signed me out, and I, of course, I went back and shot three more twenty-hour days, finished the movie, and came home to L.A. And then we posted the movie, and I was, you know, uh, um, I sort of just kept on, you know, editing and sound mixing and cutting and. So you edited it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so after so you collapsed, well, with, with James Tooley. James Tooley was the editor, yeah. but I. I'm Got it. very hands on. But after you collapsed, you felt okay and nothing. Well, I don't came know if I felt while. okay, but I was. I just you were in I, an obsessive had, mode I, and just like you know, like when you when you have an opportunity to do something that no one's ever done before in the history of cinema. Okay, so you have to think about this. What do you mean by that? So, Sylvester Stallone wrote and starred in Rocky, but uh-huh. he didn't direct it. Yeah. And Chaz Palminteri, who was in Pool Junkies. Uh, Bronx Tale. Wrote and starred in Bronx Tale, but he didn't direct it. De Niro directed it. Um, Kevin Smith wrote, directed, and played uh, Silent Bob in Clerks for sixty grand or hundred grand or something like that. And no yeah. names. Spike Lee made She's Got to Have It. Wrote, directed, and played the supporting character hundred grand and no names. Ed Burns made Brothers McMullen for sixty grand and no names. Wrote, directed, and starred in it. Yeah. But no one in the history of cinema before or since has ever written, directed, and starred in their own coming out vehicle, meaning as a person that no one ever saw before, never, never knew, yeah. uh, as no, a non-name marquee actor in a movie with a $3 million budget and three Academy Award winning a- actors as their supporting cast. Yeah. It's never been done before. And so people always ask me, like, how the hell did you do that? How did of you course. get those huge stars to come be I your mean, supporting actors in this movie you wrote, directed, and starred in? 
And the simple <laughs> the this the simple quip version is uh I asked. You yeah. Know, Did that involve you, a little bit of stalking to get uh, them? You know, it, it I wrote the script when I was eighteen years old and every single day since I was eighteen till I was twenty eight when I was directing the movie for ten years, every single day I did something to try to make that movie. And eventually uh it was like, you know, uh erosion maybe uh just suddenly you know at, at a certain point in time i did it for so long every single day trying to make that movie for 10 years that that eventually the right combination to the safe clicked and the vault opened and we got to make the picture so yeah i had i had the rest of my life to, to die or not die i had that one chance to make my make that movie yeah and so i just put all my focus and energy into making it and fortunately uh with a little uh, luck and a little sure. help from the big guy upstairs, we were able to finish the picture. What Was there a moment where, while you're in a journey of trying to make film for 10 years, where there was a turning point, something happened, you're like, oh, this is now, everything's going to fall in place now that this happened. Like so you. Yeah, so it's interesting. So it's a really funny story. So there was a woman by the name of Karen Beninati who was selling smoothies at Crunch Gym right here over here. And, and Jay uh, go there sometimes. Yeah. She used to serve me. Cr that's when I used to be in shape because I worked out <laughs> back then. And she used to give me smoothies, yeah. that girl. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, she dated a friend of mine named Orion Richmond. And we were making a little movie that I wrote and directed called Ziggs, uh, which was, um, which then later on turned out to be they feature chopped, length. Yeah. They yeah. chopped it into pieces. And there's a movie called. They changed it to, to a title called Double Down, starring Jason Priestley at the height of his popularity of 90210. Uh, Orion Richmond was in the movie. Peter Dobson was in the movie. A bunch of great Richard Portnow was in the movie. And, and Richard Portnow went on to be in every movie that I've ever made since this. But oh, that's kind of wow. like my good luck charm, a very dear friend of mine. That's great. So um, so we were, you know, I'd, I'd, I was making this movie, and Karen said, you know, Wow, uh, what are you going to make next after this? And I said, Well, I have been trying to make this movie, Pooh Hall Junkies. I'm just making this movie because somebody hired me to come write and direct it, you know? And um, uh, she said, Well, what are you trying to do to get it made? And I'm, I'm trying to do everything. I, you know, you have any suggestions? And she said, Well, I happen, my brother is married to a woman by the name of Rena Ronson. Rena Ronson was Cassie Noe's partner and the president, vice president, or the vice, the co president of. Uh, independent film at William Morris. And William Morris is where uh, Chaz Palminteri and Christopher Walken were represented. So she set up a meeting. Rena Ronson got a hold of the project, read the coverage, thought it was amazing. The coverage was like the greatest coverage you've ever read in your life. It was like, you couldn't pay somebody to write that good coverage of the <laughs> script. So she was like, do you know somebody in the reader's room here? Is this, <laughs> is this like some sort of joke? I'm like, no, I had no idea it was even covered here. It had been covered there, and so she sent the script based on the coverage to Christopher Walken. Yeah. And Christopher Walken read it immediately, called me the next day, and we had a 45-minute conversation in my apartment. I was living in the studio apartment on Bronson above Victor's Deli, mm -hmm. and uh, Chris Walken said, Chris is going to call you between 2 and 4. So I was sitting there, you know, with your old landline, you know, you're sitting there <laughs> yeah. like, waiting. waiting for the phone to call. Oh, and when God. someone rings, I go, hello. And then we go, hey, Mars. I, like, no, I can't talk right now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there's I no call waiting phone, either. Right? So, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm waiting. So finally the call comes in and, I, you know, I answer the phone. I'm like, hello. He's like, Mars? I said, yeah. He goes, Chris Walken here. How you doing? <laughs> I read your script. It's great. And I got to say, my brother was a degenerate pool player his whole life. Wow, crazy. <laughs> I used to drag him out of 
pool halls my whole, all the years when I was a little boy. <laughs> and now I'm reading the script. It's bringing back memories of old days back in the days. So I got to say, how'd you come up with this idea? You know, and so we were like, so we talked for like four hours. Can we just hours. give a round of applause to that freaking Christopher yeah, yeah, Walken? That's one of the best Christopher <laughs> Everyone tries to do Christopher Walken, and I, I got like hairs the back of my neck come out. That was great. So we talked for like 45 minutes, and at the end of the 45 minutes, we just shared stories about all kinds of life and things. He was an amazing guy. And uh, he, uh, he said, uh, um, well, he's not going to agree to do the movie yet but he, until he meets me. So can I come out to New York and come meet him? And he was doing James Joyce's The Dead off-Broadway off at the time. And I, I was like, I'll that, be on yeah. the next plane. Or, you know. And he says, there's just one thing. I have one problem I have with your script, Mars. And I said, yeah, wh wh what's the problem, Chris? He goes, do you have a script in front of you? I said, sure, I, absolutely. He goes, on page 94, <laughs> I turn to page 94, in the bottom of the page, the line where I say, if you shoot the cube, if you shoot the nine ball, into the corner pocket, make sure you don't miss. I said, if I say, I would rather say, if I sh if you shoot that nine ball instead of the nine ball. I think it's more specific. Oh my God. And I said, let me get this straight. <laughs> you read my whole script. <laughs> and you love everything about the script, the story, dialogue, scenes, arc, character development, everything. The only thing that you have a problem with is that you want to change the word the to the word that. He goes, yes. <laughs> and of course, the comedian in me wants to go, out of the question! There, no I'm way. I'm not selling out, God That's my line, yeah. Of course, I'm just, of course, I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm trying to make this movie for 10 fucking years. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Change, say whatever the fuck you want, Chris. Yeah. Just please do my movie. So I fly out the next day on a plane, go see him, and James Joyce is the dead. He's amazing. I'm sitting across from Ricky Jay, of all people, uh -huh. and in the, in, across the aisle from me. I go. I have arrangements to go back to see him in backstage. I go backstage, and uh, um, he's changed out of his costume into exactly the same thing that I'm wearing. Now, we both have the exact same hair. Back then, we looked like... <laughs> Everyone thinks that he did the movie because he's, he's also my a tall father. guy too, as well. Yeah, he, everybody thinks he was my. There's this whole thing on the internet. They, they think, oh, he's really Mars Cotton's father is really Christopher Walken. So that's what, that's why he did the movie. Whatever, like, it's so crazy. <laughs> but he changed, and it looked like a portrait of Dorian Gray. Like it looks like two people like looking at each other. Oh, it was wow. really eerie. And even in the movie, he ad libs a line uh, in Pool Junkies where he says, "Where I come out when I, our characters first meet in the movie, he goes, you know." Lawyer's Pawnee, big deal. Can't get a beer. I'm going to go outside and get some smog. And I say hello to him, and he goes, oh, I noticed you when you came in. Good hair. <laughs> and I go, you too. And he goes, are we related? <laughs> Only kidding. And then we did this whole, like, and he did, but it wasn't in the script. He just it was threw all it in improv. there. And I kept it in the I kept Oh, it in the genius. Cut. But uh, so he looks at me, and, and oh, by the way, his agent, Gene Parsegian, had never, um, he said, I heard you do a Christopher Walken impersonation. Please don't do walk-in for walk-in. He hates it. Yeah. And I said, yeah, of course, no problem. But when I, when the, the, all the other people in the dressing room and the cleared backstage and it was just the two of us and he said, Moz? And I go, yeah. And I, when we shook, it was like the dead zone, like in that where we just <laughs> connected and, and I couldn't help but do it. He goes, he goes, did you see the show? I said, sure. And then it was great. Chris, <laughs> amazing. Wow. You know, and then he was like, you want to go upstairs and get some coffee? I said, sure. We'll sit down and talk about the movie. 
pool hall and chunkies. You and then <laughs> and then and, and so for 45 minutes we were doing like dueling walk-ins and oh my because God. the first words out of my mouth were exactly like doing him the whole time. Yeah. So he didn't really realize that I that that's not how I talked. Oh So then my. after we parted company and he had to <laughs> that go do, is so and funny. He said, and he agreed to do the movie. Now he's flying and I know it's his first day of shooting and I'm like I had this pan moment of panic because I'm like, how he do I fucking I like? Talk. I'm gonna have to be like Christian Slater and Heather's where he, where he imitated Jack Nicholson the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm gonna be. Everyone's gonna think I'm doing walking in this movie. How do I wean myself out out of like a decaffeinated walking oh to like back God. to my own like, you know, speech so, pattern? But. So what did you do? But I'm gonna tell something on this podcast. Yes. I, I was actually gonna save this for another venue, but I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna, it's this I'm gonna, podcast. I'm gonna give we it to it. you. No one else knows this. Okay. He shared this secret with me. This is, this is a secret that no one in the world knows. I'm the only person in the world knows this. Yeah. He shared this with me. He said, "Do you know why I speak like this? It's not how I normally speak in real life. I've just adapted it from years of practice." And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, do you know what I'm doing when I speak this way? I said, no. He said, I'm imitating Snagglepuss. Shut the... And if you look at Heavens to Murgatroyd, stage left even, he's doing his version <laughs> of Snagglepuss. <laughs> and he's... <laughs> And he's doing it for 40 fucking years. And I'm announcing it right now on your podcast. Okay. Wow. But nobody he... knows that. <laughs> I'm the first person to let it out of the bag right now. But, okay, either you're fucking with me or he was fucking with you. No. One of those two things is true. That is a true story. He's they, fucking he... with life. He's His joke, it's an Andy Kaufman for 40 years. <laughs> he's been fucking with everybody for 40 years. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this snaggle buzz. <laughs> Because it, you might not know this, but you'll see this. That's this is actually documented. You will find that um, he was a lion tamer when he was a kid, and Snagglepuss was in fact a lion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think right now. This is either like the coolest scoop ever, or you're fucking with me so hard. That's the truth. I'm kind of buying it. Yeah, that's the truth. Snagglepuss. <laughs> he said, "Whoa, I'm doing Snagglepuss." <laughs> Nobody knows I've got them all fooled. Oh, yeah. my God. And somebody came up to the set, and they're like, Chris, Mr. Walk should I call you Mr. Walken or, or Chris? Or he goes, call me Flash. <laughs> <laughs> he really said that? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. He's the greatest ever. He Flash. made my career. If it wasn't for him, I would never have, like, I'd be still pedaling around fucking Hollywood trying to make movies. But, you know, the fact that I, I got to make movies and television and start companies and all kinds of stuff because... Of him, he he, he and, and Chaz Palminteri both. He and Chaz both were like a one-two punch that sure. that backed the movie because the studios wouldn't back an unknown writer director. Well, th that's a, that's they want to talk about because I, I know that I know a lot of people who have v vehicles where they direct and they wrote and if they want to be a lead actor, everyone in the world is saying no. Of course, get fucking Ryan Reynolds. Sure, get, you know they're trying everything yeah. in their power. I mean, when I did a film with a, a guy named <laughs> yeah, a guy named Tucker Max. You know, at one point, like he was like maybe, and every single person was like, "We yeah, will not I had make people a movie with you." I had, I had people tell me, "What is this? The, what do you think this is? The Red Cross?" <laughs> I'm like, "We need somebody with a name." I'm like, "How about Mars Callahan? That's a fucking That's name. A great name. What do you yeah. think? You know, I got a name. How about you? What's your fucking name?" So you kind of had to bulldog your way into getting. <laughs> I just didn't. I was just either too stubborn, 
or I just said I'm either going to make this movie the way I want to make it or I'm going to die trying, but I'm not yeah. going to sell out. Was there ever a moment where they said, we will, we'll buy the movie, we'll give you this deal if you're not the lead actor? 100%. And you said no. I said, that is even the I directing. Said, I said, then we're finished speaking. Wow. I go, and I closed the script. I go, then we're, we're done talking. You should actually tell them the story about how you even stood up for the girl that was the smoothie maker. That's an incredible That's story. That's my favorite yeah. part of It's this the movie. best part. It's the best story in all you of it. And basically, Christopher Walken and Chaz had to tell the studio they weren't doing the picture unless you directed That's it. That's correct, yeah. So, so they, they went tried to, to bat they tried to, so here's So, so finally we get the movie greenlit. Mm -hmm. and, um, and Karen Beninati, I said, Karen, I said, no matter what happens, you're responsible for producing this movie. You brought this to, to Rena Ronson. You brought this to William Morris. You got the movie made. You're, you're going to have your first producing credit, credit yeah. on a movie Get, you're not selling smoothies at Crunch anymore. This is my friend's girlfriend, right? Yeah. Full producing credit, he promised her. Yeah. And so... From smoothie I get to a full phone producer. Call. I'm not going to say who called me because I know both of them, and they're both extraordinarily successful. Very, <laughs> you'll know who they are. Yeah. Very famous, very wealthy, very successful producers now. But they were making their first pictures, too. Yeah. And they called, and they called me, and they said, um, okay, we're going to green light the picture. You're on a plane to Salt Lake City to go shoot the movie in Salt Lake, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Karen can't be a producer. And I was like, I'm sorry? And like, we're not letting this movie girl at Crunch be a producer on this movie. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but she's not only a producer, she is the lead, lead producer, producer on the film. Which is a huge difference for people who don't know. And they were like, well, that's just, that's just not out of the question. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And so I, uh, they said, well, then there's no movie. And I said, that's the stance you're going to take? And they go, yeah. And I said, good. Well, then there's no movie. Tell Chris Walken and Chaz Bauman Terry that there's no movie. And uh, there's no movie for me. And I won't sign the rights over to the script. And I won't direct the movie unless she's a producer. And I hung up the phone on them. And I remember where I was. I was standing on Bronson and Franklin, right around the corner from La Poubelle in that Victor's parking lot, which isn't there anymore. Uh, and I sat there with 10 years of work, and I folded the hand because I did the right thing, and I backed the chick, and I stuck to my word. And I said, if, you're, if you did all of this, then you're a producer on the movie, and I won't let them make it without you. But I had to stick to my integrity and my guns, and, yeah. I, and I threw 10 years of work down the drain, and I walked away, you from, it was over then. walked away from my movie. And it was the longest, like, 20 minutes of my life. I sat there. I sat down on one of those, like, concrete, like, stopper things that's in front of the parking spaces, and I just yeah. sat down on one of those things, sat down on the ground, and just shaking my head and after about 20 minutes the phone rang and they went fine she can be a producer <laughs> her salary's coming out of your end and i said fine fine and so she doesn't know that to this day that her salary came out of my my <laughs> oh, end. Wow. i didn't get paid to direct the movie i i, I paid you her salary. didn't get paid but no. she got the pay now yeah. as a lead producer she I actually doesn't that's another first i haven't never told anybody that either that's wow. on the air we gotta right make now. sure he listens yeah. to this so um so yeah so she so and but but imagine, I always used to think back to this day. I'm so proud of that moment in my life. And it's funny that Jay is such a good, we're such good friends that he, he's proud of that moment too because so many people find success by stepping on the heads and the throats of other people. Of course. And I, I can't imagine what that m must feel like for them to look in the mirror or put their head on the pillow years from now when they become really big and successful how empty that feeling was that they got there because they sold somebody down the river. Yeah. But I, I'm so proud of the fact that I, I got to make the movie that I wanted and I stood up for the girl that made it happen. And 
and I got to make the movie anyway and keep my integrity and not sell out. And I never sold out ever. Ever. And that's one of the things that like people didn't know about my reputation. Like I'd, I haven't made a lot of movies. I was sick for a lot of years. I was in a wheelchair for ten years. I was like fighting cancer for a long time. So I didn't make get to make a lot of movies in my career. But the ones that I made, I made the right way. I made yeah. them my way, and I made them, and I took care of everybody that was supposed to be taken care of. I never sold anybody out. So I love that you're like my my hero right yeah. now. It's There's really not many amazing. people like that. But it goes to show you, like desperation also gets you nowhere. He's he he worked hard, but he he wasn't. He was going to fold the hand. Yeah, and that was out of the doing the for your own integrity. That that was amazing. So to do that. So this was so this is uh, pull hall junkies was an independent film uh-huh. technically, yeah. right? Very very independent. Very Not independent. like independent like and then is, would you, like Fox Searchlight is a independent vision of Fox. Of so if something goes wrong, they still have Big Brother to bail them out. Yeah, yeah. We were really making really independent. independent films, so yeah. we still do. So when you went to the studio system, mm. I mean, in terms of like not sacrificing your vision, selling that must have changed. Obviously, I never went to the studio system. Oh, you I, never did. So I, so I, I, I started to go in that direction, and then I got sick before I could ever actually go and make my first big studio movie, which was I was slated to make a movie with Clint Eastwood and Robert De Niro after Pool Hall Junkies. Um, Which is a nice. Allison Eastwood was my leading lady in Pool Junkie, uh-huh. so she became my leading lady in real life for a little while. Okay. And so Clint became a very influential part of my life for a little while, and uh, and he had never worked with De Niro, and Chaz's best friend was Bob De Niro, so I put a project together with Clint and Bob, but it never wound up getting off the ground because I wound up getting uh, they wound up diagnosing me with cancer, and I wound up being I found up uh, being good projects and and work together and keep it in with the friends and 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 make some tv and some film and continue to grow as a comedian and 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 even a booker uh of all the venues here for laugh factory and you know i'll keep doing this as long as i'm having fun but i don't see anything else that i would have as much fun doing than being a part of this comedy world and this comedy community that's been treating me so well over the years and uh, i'm thankful for for all the comedians and everyone that supports these great shows so I guess awesome. five well years said, from now, yeah. I just, I just, I'm just kind of on my purpose, and just wherever it leads me, uh, awesome. I will we go. Got to get Bill in one of our, one of our. <laughs> I want I, w- I want yeah. Bill Burr. I'll send no. you my. No, motherfucker! Oh. I'm right here, oh, asshole. Oh, 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 I thought. I thought. Uh, we say Bill. I'll I say send you Burr. my acting reel, Sorry. and then you can judge me uh, <laughs> when I'm not here. Um, Bill Dawes would be great. So He's a great uh, actor too, by the yeah. way. Is there anything handsome? I mean, yeah. this is a podcast. You can't really see what he looks like, but yeah. even though Jay looked at me day goes like, "What happened to your nose?" Oh, it's all that jujitsu you do, huh? No, anyway. I, no I didn't mean. Don't <laughs> take that wrong. No, because I know you're fighting um, and they, those so guys grab you and stuff. You guys are. I, I love both you guys. Is there anything that you want to plug right now? Is there is there like a website or a thing? Do you have a? I don't know. Are you big on the Instagram, Mars? I don't know. How does uh, one find you I to support that, your work? I have that uh, Insta chat or that Snap. Graham? Snapchat. Graham Snap. Whatever what it is. is it? Yeah. No, I don't have any of that. Snap stuff. crackle the my, and pop. My face. Yeah. Rice Krispies. He's the original <laughs> Rice Krispie kid. You know that. He <laughs> yeah, did a Rice Krispie uh, commercial just, when he was like 10. You're, just, you're just a goddamn man yeah. with integrity who doesn't fuck around with stuff like no, that. No, there's no social media for me. Nope. Good for no, you, man. Zero. Mars, Smart I'm guy. so glad I met you. Such a good guy. And Jay, how about you? What do you want to plug? Uh, Just Jay Davis Comedy. Come out to the Laugh Factory. Come check out some shows. And, um, you know, just... Uh, that's a bit. That's about it. That's all I need to plug. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming, guys. Thanks, brother. Nice Appreciate to meet you, Mars. you having us. See ya. And that's signing off from the after laugh. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh, <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>